Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, once again, I'm interviewing my favorite guest. That's me, of course. And we're going to be discussing the question of whether the afterlife is an illusion. Let's begin. Let me ask you, do you think it's an illusion? No, I actually don't think it's an illusion. I think it's an illusion within an illusion within an illusion. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm referring to the work of Sir Oliver Lodge, who was one of the great scientists of the 19th century and the early 20th century. There's a wonderful movie, for example, in which Oliver Lodge is a key character. It's the story of the Einstein-Eddington universe and how uh, Eddington did uh, experiments that proved Einstein's theory and, uh, in effect, uh, showed that there was a world beyond Newtonian physics. Well, Oliver Lodge helped sponsor those important experiments. And uh, ironically, he's portrayed as a hardcore Newtonian. But actually, Oliver Lodge, if anything, was a hardcore spiritualist at that point in his life. So, uh, it's, it's really quite ironic and quite interesting. Lodge wrote a great book, a classic of the spiritualist literature called Raymond, in which he presented evidence largely through the mediumship of Mrs. Gladys Osborne Leonard that his son, Raymond, who was killed in the First World War, was still alive and active and communicating in great detail with Lodge through through that mediumship. Uh, the book caused an enormous stir. It was uh, reprinted many, many times. Lodge was famous worldwide as a champion of spiritualism. And his communications with Raymond lasted, as, as I checked the literature, at least from 1916 when the book was first published. And, of course, the communications go back a, a few years, I think, before that. Raymond died uh, prior to 1916 in, in the First World War. But um, at least those communications extended through 1929. So, uh, so for a minimum of some 13 years, Lodge felt that he was engaged in active communications with his son, Raymond. Well, this is all very interesting, of course, but what does it have to do with the idea of an illusion? Aha! I thought you were going to ask that question. And it has to do with this. It was about 1926 when um, a tr an automatist, an automatist, Geraldine Cummins, uh, an Irish lady, began through automatic writing to get in touch with the uh, ostensible spirit of Lodge's friend, the great psychical researcher Frederick Myers. And Myers actually dictated a book through 
Miss Cummins. It's called The Road to Immortality. And he died in 1901. So Myers had been ostensibly communicating from the afterlife with a variety of different mediums, many mediums, in fact, uh, at that point for a quarter century. And he uh, managed to communicate through Geraldine Cummins, ostensibly, as I say, and dictated an entire book describing the afterlife. And interestingly, Sir Oliver Lodge wrote the introduction to that book, testifying that this was his friend Myers, who he knew in actual life. And the book had the hallmarks of Myers' thinking. And furthermore, he had been in touch with Mrs. Leonard, the same medium who was channeling or uh, through her spirit guide. It gets quite complex because uh, Mrs. Leonard had a spirit control named Feta, and Raymond would sometimes also speak directly through Mrs. Leonard, and even Myers would sometimes speak directly through Mrs. Leonard, but mostly it was Feta, the uh, spirit control, a, a young child apparently, uh, who would say, well, this is what Raymond tells me to say. This is what Myers tells me to say. In any case, Lodge was convinced by his uh, in inquiries through Mrs. Leonard's mediumship that the book that Myers had supposedly dictated through the automatic writing of Geraldine Cummins was legitimate. And he wrote the introduction to that book saying so. Now, that book, The Road to Immortality, is quite interesting because as Myers is describing the afterlife, he refers to a plane within the afterlife called, by Myers, the realm of illusion. So, this is where the illusion comes in now. Myers himself from the afterlife is talking about the realm of illusion. And I presume that uh, Lodge is inquiring about it. Indeed, he is. He's wondering, why are you calling the afterlife the realm of illusion? And uh, in earlier spiritualist literature, this realm close to the earth plane was known as the Summerland. It's considered a realm very similar to uh, our physical reality. There are houses, there are communities, there are cities. The Brazilian movie No Solar, about which I have done a previous monologue, describes this realm, and it's as if uh, people are living in a realm very similar to our own, although there are some distinctions. For example, although they have houses and clothing and pets and animals and flowers and gardens and music and, and, and so on, they don't need to eat. They're in the spirit world. Their bodies are not quite the same as ours, but they have attachments. They're accustomed to their physical life, and so in, in, this is a plane. Uh, created by architects, one might say, from a higher realm that is created for their benefit. But if they want something, they only have to think of it and it appears. Everybody's a magician in this realm, so to speak. And that's why Myers calls it the realm of illusion. He says, there are many higher planes, but people who first die often spend a lot of time in the summer land, the 
Indians, uh, American Indians may have called it the happy hunting ground, the, the place of uh, great beauty, great pleasantness. It's often described by near-death experiencers as well, but it's not the ultimate reality. And so Lodge is asking, why do you call this an illusion? Is it not real or is it real? And Raymond, responding through um, Feta and <laughs> the mediumship of Mrs. Leonard with Myers, it's like Raymond is now speaking occasionally through Mrs. Leonard's mediumship, but he says, Myers is standing right next to me. He doesn't have the power to speak, but he's here, and if I say anything wrong, he's going to let me know. And he says, yes, it's a realm of illusion, just like the physical plane is. You live in a realm of illusion as well, and so is this a realm of illusion. And here, Oliver Lodge is in ascent. He is now exploring. We're in the early decades of the atomic era, and he understands that atoms are not the fundamental reality at all. If you break down an atom, it's mostly empty space. There are particles. Oliver Lodge was one of the people who helped discover electromagnetism. He invented, for example, the loudspeaker. He's a pioneer in the radio along with Marconi. They're just discovering uh, the realm of uh, inside the atom, the realm of the electron, for example, and he realizes how tiny electrons are in relationship to atoms, how it's mostly all empty space. And so he understands when they say our realm is an illusion, too, that from the point of view of pure physics, indeed, it's, it's a mystery. Why does this realm seem so solid to us when actually uh, it's mostly empty space. And Raymond is saying, yes, the Summerland is like that. There are architects who live in higher realms, and they are able to create this for our benefit because we are souls traveling and maturing, growing in our understanding, perhaps also growing in our ability to love, growing in our ability to experience compassion, growing in our understanding of good and evil and life and death and pain and, and suffering, becoming larger and larger souls along the way on an infinitely long progression to merging with the one ultimate reality, what my friend Bernardo Kastrup likes to uh, call, quoting Schopenhauer, the one mind that sees through the eyes of all creatures. Ultimately, that's who we are, and anything other than that is not absolute reality. Anything other than that is an illusion created for our benefit by presumably the, the, uh, they're referred to in the discussion of Oliver Lodge and Raymond as the architects of this reality. 
Well, sometimes the architects of this reality are thought of as extraterrestrials. For example, there's a whole discussion related to the uh, writings of Zechariah Sitchin that extraterrestrials came to Earth hundreds of thousands of years ago, perhaps, and created the human race through a form of genetic engineering, just as we are now gaining the capability of doing. <laughs> We've now engineered a vaccine with amazingly advanced forms of genetic engineering. Soon we'll be able to uh, engineer other species as well. Uh, had discussions about this with uh, my friend Jason Giorgiani, and uh, he suggests it's leading to the end of humanity as we know it when we begin engineering ourselves into new species. Well, there's another way we could think of this reality as an illusion, and it has to do with dis previous discussions with uh, Rizwan Virk and Jason Giorgiani about the idea that we're living inside of a simulation, that this is a computer game. Imagine, for example, when you go to a movie. You sit in the theater, the theater is darkened, and then you enter into the realm of the movie and you temporarily suspend judgment. You suspend the awareness that the whole movie is just a story created for your entertainment and perhaps even your spiritual benefit if it's a really great movie. Or if, let's say, you're attending the theater and a, a play by Shakespeare. But at the, at the end, the curtain goes down, the movie ends, and you realize you're back in this world again. But imagine uh, an advanced extraterrestrial civilization where their form of entertainment is you immerse yourself so much in the movie, you forget that there's anything else but the movie, and you live an entire lifetime. And then, as the lifetime ends, you realize, oh, this was just a, a script I created for my entertainment or, or my enjoyment. So you're suggesting that this very life, this, this very new thinking aloud monologue could, could be such a form of a illusion itself, an illusion within an illusion within an illusion. Well, look, for example, you're creating a situation for our New Thinking Aloud viewers where they're watching and listening to two of us. We're having a dialogue. The illusion is creating a, uh, an ability for me, as a matter of fact, to express myself more comprehensively than I would in a normal monologue. Well, is this a dialogue or is it a monologue? That's a very good Question, which is real, the dialogue or the monologue? The same question applies when it comes to the afterlife, in a sense, because one could say that from the point of view of our larger self, our self that exists simultaneously in many worlds, not just our a day-to-day -day conscious reality, but our larger soul reality, we're already in the afterlife. It's our dream life, so to speak. We already partake of what Carl Jung called the collective unconscious. We live simultaneously in at least two worlds. Which of them are real? As the Chinese philosopher Chuang Tzu said, I dreamt that I was a butterfly. Or is it possible that I am a butterfly now, dreaming that I'm Chuang Tzu? Well, you're getting closer to it because there are levels within levels within levels. 
I believe uh, Bernardo Castro talks about a magician. The magician is like the architects uh, spoken of by Raymond who create these different afterlife realms, each and every one for our benefit. And every time you discover the secret of the magician, you break out of the spell. But then you're in another spell. The magician is so subtle, he creates spell after spell after spell. And each time you think you're woke, you think you've awakened, you discover, oh no, I'm trapped yet in a different illusion. Until you reach the final, ultimate reality. Well, Oliver Lodge did say something about that final, ultimate reality. He said, we are so far away from it right now. We could be compared to an earthworm in a flower pot in a windowsill in the city of London. He said, our ability to understand that ultimate reality is comparable to the ability of that earthworm to understand everything else that's going on in the city of London. I think that's true. I think it's a very good analogy. And we are like earthworms in a sense compared to our ultimate potential as human beings. The full expression of, of the human being is something we just get glimpses of. And, and in parapsychology, we're privileged to see what those glimpses might be like. Of course, we can look at great creative artists and geniuses as, as well. But even the greatest of uh, psychics and mystics may still be uh, as we are, earthworms. Well, what does this tell you about the afterlife then? It tells me that the afterlife is very, very real, but very, very far from ultimate reality. I guess that's a good way of putting it and we'll leave you, our visitors, our audience, with that thought. It's a lot of food for thought. And once again, and once again, thank you for being with us.